0: Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He said, those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. He said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I died and behold, I am alive evermore. And I hold the keys of hell and death. Because I live, you shall live also. On behalf of the family and friends of of Caden, I want to thank you for your presence today. As many of you have have learned, as many of you know, um, in times like this, words are not remembered, but presence is. We gather for two reasons today. The first reason we gather is to celebrate the life of Caden Leslie Porter. Caden's earthly life was brief. But nonetheless, it it was a blessing. He loved and was loved by many. He experienced trials, but he also experienced great joy. And as sad as today is, for, for very obvious reasons... We will not let death steal from us the joy of knowing Caden. Rather, we will choose to celebrate every moment of joy which God gave us to share with Caden. As the people of God, in all things we give thanks. So part of our reason to gather today is is just to give thanks for Caden's life, to celebrate it in all the times and all the moments we got to share with him. The second reason that we gather today is because we all need to be reminded of our hope in the face of death. We come together with grief. We acknowledge that, that our loss is real. And because our loss is real, we gather to be again reminded that Jesus shed his blood for Caden, that Caden put his faith in Jesus, and by grace, Caden is with Jesus in glory today. And those of us who put our faith in Jesus will one day be reunited with Caden in the presence of Christ, where we will join together with Caden in the great worship of the triune God. So we do two things today. If you hear nothing, hear this. We celebrate Caden's life and we find hope in the resurrection of Jesus. So my friends, may God grant you grace that in your pain you might find comfort, that in your sorrow you might find hope, and that in the shadow of death you might again discover the resurrection. Reverend Blaha, would you lead us in prayer?
1: We all know from reading our scriptures, we certainly know from our experience like this that death um, is a terrible, terrible, and what appears to be a final victorious enemy. And it's no accident that this is very much at the heart of the message of the scriptures, the very earliest scriptures, In Adam's sin, we all sinned, and death, and condemnation. And the rest of man's history is really trying to work itself out uh, of that situation. Within the Old Testament, you start seeing glimmers of a hope that one day God was going to fix the problem of Adam's sin with the last Adam, and that one day there would just be one final funeral. As one man said, it would be the death of death, a final funeral of death that I don't think anyone's going to particularly want to attend, but then there would be no more of these, which would be a very good thing. So Isaiah the prophet sees some of this. And he says, and on his mountain he will swallow up the covering which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched out over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from every face. And it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And elsewhere the prophet says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, a deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. And the psalmist says, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing, You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. And God speaks to Joshua. Have I not commanded you? Be strong. Be courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, the God of all comfort and encouragement, our light in darkness, our life in death, our glory, and the one who lifts our head. We gather together today in a condition that we would never choose. But you have brought us here, and by faith we confess, thy will be done. We acknowledge your sovereign will is grace in all things to your children, and that the end of that grace is always your glory and our enjoyment of Christ forever. We give thanks, O God, that you are just, you are loving, and you are merciful. And yet this does not make our grief less. Jesus, knowing the hope of the resurrection, stood before death and wept. Likewise, Lord, in our tears give us hope. In the separation of death, let us know that belonging to Christ means that we will live and be together again. This day we are thankful for Caden Porter, a gift for over 16 years to his family, to his friends, to your church, and to many others. We are thankful for his courage as he lived with uncertainties, his love for the life you gave him, and his faith in Christ that assured him that Lord his God was going to be with him wherever he went. So give us today the comfort of the gospel that Jesus has defeated death. Give us assurance that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ, not even the grave. Give us faith to believe the wonderful promises of our salvation. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We ask these things in the name of Jesus, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, the fairest of 10,000, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And now people we're gonna would like to stand together and sing, Joyful, Joyful, we adore you.
2: i Joyful music, lead us onward in the trial song of life. Please be seated.
3: What a blessing what an impact this day is not about sadness and tears and even though they're present so I want us to celebrate so we're gonna have a little fun with this process okay um, I'm not on staff here so if I do this and they want to fire me they can't fire me because I, I don't, I don't. So uh, I did this at my last uh, awakening, last chapel at Hartfield before I left for deployment to start off. So we're going to start off this day doing the same way. So students know how to do this. So give me two hand claps and a Ric Flair. There we go. Now that you adults have gotten over the flabbergasting, so let's uh, let's all do it. It's it's two hand claps and then a Ric Flair. When you say woo, you hold up four fingers, all right? So let's do it all again. Here we go. Give me two hand claps and a Ric Flair what I'm talking about (laughs) over the course of my years in ministry I have had the uh, opportunity and the privilege to conduct or officiate the funerals and memorial services for many many wonderful people to include all of mine and Emily's grandparents as well as for my own dad Never in my thoughts did I envision myself officiating our son's memorial service. Yet here we are at this moment, and it is indeed real. But one thing has always remained constant and will never change. God is faithful. So many words have come to my mind since Thursday night, but the one that seems to constantly be on the top of my list Is overwhelmed. Our family has been overwhelmed by the outpouring of love, prayer, tears, and support for us. We are blessed in more ways than we could have ever asked or expected and words cannot express how much it means to us. We may not have been able to respond to every message or phone call but please know that each one has made an impression on us that will never be forgotten. So to our immediate family, our friends, our Hartfield family, our Army family, our Appalachian's family, our Lakeside and Pleasant Grove family, and so many, many more. Thank you, and we love you. Today, as we gather to celebrate Caden's life, again, what a joy it is seeing all of you here. There's no doubt that Caden has made a personal impact on us, a kingdom impact on us, and he continues to make our world a better place. It is up to us to continue doing the same things, for in doing so, this is how we honor Caden. Many of you may not know that Caden's name actually means warrior or fighter. And since he was born, he has been just that fighting a congenital heart defect, that would have him undergo a balloon procedure before his first birthday, and three open heart surgeries before he would get his driver's license. If he were still here with us, he would still be looking at more surgeries, even as an adult. So as you can see, his name is quite fitting, warrior or fighter. Of course, Grayson's name is also quite fitting, It literally means, son of the gray-haired one. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) A parent's responsibility is to teach their children right from wrong, respect morals, and to see them live out their values. Christian parents have that same responsibility with the added charge of demonstrating and teaching them about God's redeeming love and saving grace. Deuteronomy 6 verses 4 through 9 reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Today, though, I would like to share a few lessons that Caden taught me as a dad and that he demonstrated by the life he lived, lessons from which we can all benefit today. The first lesson that he taught me was that it's okay to not be into sports. <laughs> My brother and I grew up playing sports, and it was just a normal part of our lives. And even as, as kids, as young, young kids, our dad continued to play sports, and who knows how many hours we spent at the ballpark for softball games and weekends for tournaments, and it was just part of who we were. And since I played sports growing up as, as a, a kid in high school, uh, I was a stellar athlete, um, that was not intended to be funny that's, uh, I'm a little offended now but since I grew up playing sports I had visions of Caden being a much better athlete than me but that's not who he was that's not who he is and that's not where his heart is his love was anything that was happening on a stage or anything music or anything theater. No matter how many different sports we tried, that was not his passion. He would rather spend time at a rehearsal or watching something or someone on the stage, especially if there were snacks. <laughs> so again, he taught me that it's okay to be different and to like other things. But because of Caden liking music and theater and not just being that interested in sports, I was so afraid of him being picked on or being singled out. I endured some ridicule growing up, and I wanted to protect Caden from, just from that. He did receive some ridicule for his interest or his uniqueness. And there was that one time where I was bowed up on, and about to slap an older kid for being mean to him in the line of a, at a water slide. Yet what I learned from him was that it doesn't matter what people think. Caden was not concerned with what people thought about him or even said about him. He is true to his own self and knows that his value is not found in other people's opinions or comments. If his clothes were wrinkled, he didn't care. If his hair wasn't just right, he didn't care. He was confident in who he is and whose he is. But he did have a list of people who made fun of him and I'll meet you in the parking lot after the service. (laughs) You might win that fight, but you're going to walk away knowing you were in a fight. (laughs) I could go on and on with other examples of lessons, but one more special or really truly impactful to me is that Caden helped me to be a better pastor. He helped me to see the fragility of life, overcoming fear of the unknown, and to allow people to come alongside you in times of difficulty. Caden taught me how to be more compassionate and and intentional in my interactions with others during their times of crisis, and how not to try and fix everything with platitudes or with what I call a hallmark card type of expression. When we were enduring Caden's first open-heart surgery, statements such as, it's always darkest before dawn, or God gives his hardest battles to his strongest soldiers brought me no comfort. We knew that they were intended to help or encourage us, yet they failed to change anything or make our situation any better. We were still in a hospital. We were still watching our son hooked up to all kinds of machines, and we were still powerless to do anything but watch and wait. I resolved from that moment going forward that I would not offer platitudes, but rather would be real and vulnerable right alongside those God placed in my care. I would not attempt to give off the impression that I had answers or solutions, but that I would just be in each moment and continue to minister along the journey with people God entrusted to me. I will continue to do so to honor this lesson that Caden taught me, and I encourage each of us to do the same. As you're all aware, by seeing the pictures and prior to the service, that uh, Caden loves, loves music, was gifted in it. His happy place was on the stage, singing, dancing, using his talents. That was his happy place. Didn't matter if it was helping lead worship with an awakening or singing in the choir, rehearsing for musicals, helping lead worship at youth. His greatest joy was sharing his musical gifts with others. During our time at Pleasant Grove Church, we would often have a pick a hymn Sunday where people could call out their favorite hymns for us to sing. Caden would often choose a hymn entitled The Lily of the Valley, which some of you may know. Today, I want to share a portion of the first verse with us. And it states In sorrow, he's my comfort. In trouble, he's my stay. He tells me every care on him to roll. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. Family and friends, we are fully experiencing that in our sorrow he is our comfort. In our trouble he is our stay. And on him every care we bring. Our first Sunday here at Lakeside a few weeks ago was a a wonderful blessing to us, also kind of a little bit of a weird blessing, as we got to sit together and worship as a family, just the four of us. We have always attended church together, but we have always had a role in leading worship in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so on this Sunday, where we uh, we didn't realize at the time we got here, but apparently it was pack a pew Sunday, and we packed the entire pew right over there, and so. Um, with all of us and on that particular Sunday we sang a hymn that was on my mind during the ride home from Texas Thursday night I listened to it several times from several different artists and I want to close with that text this afternoon O love that will not let me go I rest my weary soul in thee I give thee back the life I owe that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O light that follows all my way, I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray, that in thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain, and feel the promise is not in vain, that morn shall tearless be. O cross that liftest up my head, I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay in dust life's glory dead, and from the ground there blossoms red, life that shall endless be. when Caden was baptized as an infant and we were still uncertain about what we would need to do for his heart defect Caden's papa said something that in his prayer before lunch that day that I still remember almost 17 years later he prayed that Caden's heart was in God's hands and Thursday night our prayers were answered and Caden's heart was made new Because of our faith, we know that today is not our goodbye. Caden may be gone from us physically. Thanks be to God for the coming day when our faith shall be made sight. And we shall experience all of God's promises anew. And I look forward to hearing Caden say to us, What took you so long to get here?
4: and sing.
5: Let's go to our God in prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather together to celebrate the life of Caden. We thank you that each one of us had the honor of knowing such a wonderful, God fearing young man. We thank you for Caden's character, as he was always filled with joy, kindness, gentleness, and love. We're so thankful to have witnessed the fruits of the Spirit on display for us through Caden, and to have felt the love of Christ that always shined brightly through our friend. We also thank you for lifting Caden, for gifting Caden the best parents in the world, and the best brother in the world, Frank, Emily, and Grayson. But most importantly, we thank you for the gift of faith that you gave to Caden. We praise you for your grace that was extended to him. We know through your word that you planted, watered, nurtured, and flourished his faith in you. We mourn, but rejoice at the assurance that you have fulfilled all the promises of your grace to Caden. And we know that Caden no longer lives in a world of sin, brokenness, and sorrow, but now dwells in your kingdom in eternal peace, tasting the fullness of your grace in heaven. We are in awe that you, O Lord, the creator of the universe, time, space, and the cosmos, called Caden before the foundations of this world to be adopted into kingship as your son through the cross of Jesus Christ. The kindness of our king Knows no bounds. And Caden has experienced it in fullness during his life on earth and continues to receive it in eternity. Words cannot express our gratitude for your gift of salvation for us, but especially upon the life of our close brother Caden as we remember him today. Words also cannot express the grief that we feel, especially for the Porter family. But Lord, we know that we serve a God who dwells among his people and cares for them deeply. Lord, you hear our sorrows and our cries. You're well acquainted with our grief. And this morning we cast all our sorrows and pain to you. We know that you alone heal broken hearts and the pains of life. Lord, we ask that you would bring comfort to Frank, Emily, and Grayson and to his whole family. We pray that the peace that surpasses all understanding would fall upon them, and that you would pour out your care and love towards them during this difficult season. Lord, help us to focus on the gift that you gave us through Caden, rather than focusing on what we lost. I pray that we will grow in our love and trust in you through the example that Caden set for so many people around him. Father, we find comfort in the fact that you hold Caden in your hands and that he has seen the fullness of your glory in your presence. What can we say to your grace but thank you? Thank you for giving us the gift of Caden in our lives. We fall and worship you as we celebrate him. Lord, you were always and will always be good to Caden, your son, and we are forever grateful. We pray that you would keep us in the palm of your hands as we live on earth and look forward to the day where we are reunited with Caden, worshiping you in eternity forever and ever and ever. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: My, lo- my wife likes to tell me over and over that I'm an emotionless robot. That's what she tells me. Um, and usually I take that as, a, as an honor thing. I, I appreciate it, but it's not so... Um... Me and Frank spent, spent a life together, doing ministry together, eating lunch together. And it's a privilege to stand up here today. So I need you to do something for me. Even if you don't hear anything I say today, will you pray while I bring the message of the gospel? Will you pray that as the words that are my words, as they leave my mouth and go over this pulpit, that they'll be Christ's words? there'll be the message that we need to hear. So if you would, hear now this reading from probably an unexpected text today, from the 24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened, They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But they, not, they did not see Jesus. And skipping ahead, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight, and they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us, while he talked with us on the road, and opened a scripture to us. May God bless the reading of his holy word been a pastor and a minister in churches for nearly 25 years, and the one thing I've learned during unspeakable tragedy and heartache is that there are a lot of dumb things said at funerals. <laughs> a lot. Not just by the clergy that stand behind the pulpit, but by the people who come through the line. There is always an uncomfortableness with the messiness and ugliness of this world. So much so that we fill it with idiocy. (laughs) Because we assume that our speech and our words will make everything okay. It's not so, friends. So my goal for today is to not say something stupid. My goal is to not say something heretical, but if I do say something heretical, hopefully it will at least be helpful. That's my hope. As I share with you today, I guess the bar should be higher than that. The bar should be higher. What you deserve, Frank and Emily and family, is a world-class theologian who can express a robust theodicy Who can share about the justice of God in a way that makes this seem all right? You deserve an expert to defend the justice of God in the midst of overwhelming suffering. You also deserve a leading and wise and experienced therapist who could equip you with the tools of coping with such a day. Or maybe you deserve an expert in logical deduction who could use reasoning to make sense of all this. You deserve a powerful preacher who can bring down God's glory to inspire your hearts and your minds for the future. You deserve all that, but you get me. And for that, I'm sorry. But Frank and Emily, all I I can offer you is what I've got. I love you. And I wouldn't be anywhere else today. So I can offer you love and presence. And I pray that that's enough. What we'll learn from today is that there's a lot of disparity in this life in what we deserve and what we get. Hear me. There's a lot of disparity in what we deserve and what we get. And it starts from the very beginning of the church as we see in Luke's gospel today. Christendom starts with a resurrection. A new thing has happened. Death is defeated. Love wins and life bursts forth. But, but the spoils of redemption aren't immediately obvious to everybody who follows Jesus. There are rumors and unbelievably fantastic stories, but mostly, read it, it's not me making it up, mostly, there is a return to the mundaneness of everyday life and disappointment. Even in the midst of resurrection. In that journey, though, Jesus shows up. In that moment, they miss it. He's there, and they're too flustered and fatigued and grief-stricken and distracted to notice. And in that state... In that very state of distraction and preoccupation and mundaneness, he asks them a question and they give him an answer. The three hardest words in all of the gospel, if you're paying attention. Three hardest. What do they say? We had hoped. We had hoped. Our plans, our future, our past, all of us. We had hoped. What did they hope for? They'd hoped for a champion and a, a victor. We had hoped for a remover of pain and discomfort. We had hoped for a writer of wrongs. We had hoped for a restorer of justice. We had hoped for all of those things, and what we got was more questions and suffering. And disappointment and grief and anxiety and isolation, we had hoped. I think today, as we stand here, we can say the same. We had all hoped. We had hoped. And all we want is answers. Answers like these folk on the road to Emmaus, answers to the major questions that we seek any time we try to find comfort in this life. We want to know how and what and why. At least I do. But I'm here to tell you, friends, as you gather here in in the shadow of death, but in the light of resurrection, how and what and why will never bring you what you want. There's only one question that brings you what you want. Who. Who do we celebrate? Who am I? And who is this Jesus fella that walks the road with me? Maybe a wandering partner is everything that we need. Because in the Emmaus story, we hear this one truth of the gospel over everything else. It resonates Through the centuries, it comes down through eternity. They thought it enough to write it down and give it to us. And it's this truth. We serve a God who'd rather be with us than explain it to us. Praise be to God. A God who valued presence. He left his place of honor to carry our shame and our burden. Several years ago, I was at a parade, and as you, as you well know, at parades, a lot of times they throw candy, because they're not worried about the safety of children, right? That's why they throw candy. They throw it in front of cars and behind cars, and sometimes they just dangle it under the wheel, just, just so <laughs> your children can be imperiled. And I was watching as the kids went and scooped up all the candy and their parents had had put them in a bag. And you can tell those overachieving parents because they have fancy, fancy containers. But my children and a few of the other children who were neglected by their parents had a Walmart sack that they found in their trunk. It had Coke spilled on it, you know, sticky and all this. And the kids were going through putting in their candy. And as we were leaving the parade, I was watching all of the neglected children with their Walmart sacks as they walked back to the car. And one poor kid didn't know it, but his parents' Walmart sack was even more deficient than everybody else's. And their candy was falling out. (laughs) One piece at a time. And I watched. I watched. Their little sibling walked behind them. They had their (laughs) t-shirt pulled up. And they went behind them and filled up their little thing in front of them, their little pocket they had made, their little kangaroo pocket. And I was watching to see how it would play out. And when they got back to the car, the kid tapped the other sibling on the shoulder and goes, Here's what you left. and dumped it in their lap, and they sat there and enjoyed it together. Friends, as I thought about today, I realized how easy it is for us to leak hope. To leak hope, that that part of us which yearns for more, But in Scripture, it tells us that God gives us Jesus who walks along the road with us. And as we drop our hope along the way, he picks it up. And he carries it in front of Him. So what hope can we find today in the crinkled up, wrinkled shirt of the Savior? Frank and I served at St. Mark's. And he was leading confirmation there at one point. And and I remember the story he brought to us. One of the students had gone through confirmation class. They had done all the things. They had decided after studying about Jesus that they wanted to follow Jesus. That this Jesus sounded pretty great. And they were ready to join the church and give their life to Christ. And Frank came and was expressing to the rest of the staff his frustration because as he gathered the parents together, one of the parents of this child looked at the daughter as they were talking about Confirmation Sunday, the day she was going to give her life to Christ in a public profession and join the church. The parent looked at their student and said, now remember we have a soccer game that day. Now Frank grew up like primitive Baptist or some really, um, really old-fashioned Baptist. I don't. I don't think they had to chew tobacco and sing at the same time, but they might have. Um, and he was fired up. Frank was fired up. You know, I, I'm not here anymore either, so I can say whatever I want. Re- <laughs> um, reservoir people like their sports. Friends, Jesus is more important. That's just a sidebar. You're welcome. (laughs) But Frank was trying to emphasize to the dad the importance of the Sunday, and the mom was sitting over there minding her own business, embarrassed, I think, by the father. And they kept going back and forth, and I remember the father looked at the daughter, according to Frank, and said, you know, I want you to remember the commitment you made to your team." When you agreed to, to play. And Frank said that little girl in sixth grade looked at her father and said, You made a commitment before God at my baptism. And you're responsible. Now friends, not every story has a happy ending. The father went and coached soccer. But the mom and the daughter got baptized and joined the church. But it reminded me, that story of me and Frank reminded me of what happens at, at, at our ritual of infant baptism. We asked the parents the question. Will you be responsible for this child? Will you live your life in such a way as when they're old enough they'll accept Jesus as their Savior? Will you do everything in your power? And then we asked the church the same thing. And I remember... As a parent, just as they did, the promise that was made before God. Frank and Emily made a promise, and God made a promise to them. I loved your child before I created him. I loved your child as I gave him to you, and I'll love your child forever. As any parent stands over the baptism of their child, I think Frank and Emily would say, we had hoped for a beautiful son. We had hoped for a loving family. We had hoped for precious moments. We had hoped for a kind and loving child. We had hoped for a gifted musician. We had hoped for a child who loved life. We had hoped for a child who would ensure that Christian-run businesses like Chick-fil-A stayed in business. We... We had hoped for a Jesus-following, mighty warrior of God. We had hoped, Lord, for the fulfillment of promise. As I stand here today, friends, are our hearts not burning in our chest? Are our hearts not burning in our chest at the fulfillment both from Frank and Emily, who raised an awesome son. And the fulfillment of the promise of a God who loves Caden forever. He crafted and formed him perfectly. We are blessed. Caden was here along the road to our Emmaus as well. Jesus too. He'll see us there. We had hoped He'd be with us for longer, but we see that last morsel of hope comes forth. It's there. It's that eventually the road that's before us, where we occasionally can only see the pain behind us and the next pebble of dust in front of us, miraculously turns into a table. A table where what was lost is revealed once more. A place where family is restored and promise is made manifest. What did I say at the beginning, friends? There's a great disparity that exists today between what we deserve and what we get. What we got in Caden was more. More than we deserved. Thanks be to the God who gave him to us. and the life that we lived, may the God who picks up the crumbs of our hope, may that very same God meet you at the table and prepare for you a feast. In the obituary, it talked about how Caden would break forth into songs. So I thought as I ended the gospel, I would go back to the song book of the Bible. And I would say this to you. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord, we had hoped. And you delivered. And like all things in your grace, it was more than we deserved. Lord, for this family in moments of pain and suffering, we pray your grace upon grace. And may your presence seem ever more near today than it was before. May your spirit overwhelm them and sustain them in these times of trouble. And in all ways, Lord, we give you thanks. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen.
6: moment that I wake up, until I lay in my head, I will sing of the good.
0: the proper way to conclude a service like we had today. How do we evaluate what we've done and what do we remember? Well um, not every funeral do I learn something and um, I learned today what two hand claps and a Ric Flair is. I had no (laughs) had no idea and I would call everyone to do it but I'm just not that cool. I don't have that kind of street cred Frank. Um, Frank you got up today and you uh, you courageously shared I thank God for the courage that he gave you to do that. You said one thing never changes. God is faithful. You reminded us that Caden's name means fighter. And you shared with us the lessons that as a father you learned from Caden's life. It's okay not to play sports. It doesn't matter what others think. And ultimately... That you and your family always realized that Caden's heart was always in God's hands. Thanks be to the Lord. Keith stood up before us to share the gospel and he offered you, as much as any man can, his, his love and his, his presence. And he taught us that how and, and what and why, those are questions that will never bring you what you want. But the only question that satisfies in the loss and the emptiness of today is who? And that who was Jesus Christ. The hope that we face today as we leave here is in Jesus alone. He said that it's possible that many of us today are leaking faith and, and, and it is Jesus who walks with us and picks that up for us. And ultimately, I think it's a really interesting statement that there's a great disparity between what we deserve and what we get. Isn't that true of all of us as, as sinners, as broken people sit here today? The hope that we have is not based on the life that Caden lived. The hope that we have is in who he believed in. In Caden, we get more than we deserved. In Christ, we get more than we deserved. Friends, place your faith in Christ today. Um, We've been the church gathered. Let us go and be the church scattered. And as you do, take with you the sure and certain assurance of the resurrection unto eternal life. The love of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.